Welcome back to the Brazos Point Living Room. We're so glad that you are listening with us. This week we have the three amigos again. Dream Team. What's up, guys? Howdy, howdy. Hello. We are so glad that you are listening. And, and for the summer, we got our little small group, our own little small group going on here. We do. It's it's nice. I do miss my small group, though. My Tuesday night crowd. And I wish you'd bring some food. <laughs> yeah, we, we eat together in that one. Let's break bread. Yeah, Speaking some. of breaking bread. <laughs> we need something. Oh, do y'all this like, is fun. I look forward to this every week. Like when you do the spinach dips, do you prefer chips or bread in a spinach dip? I don't dip? do spinach dips. I actually, I love bread. I love bread. But for a spinach dip, I prefer like a good, strong pita chip. See, I just want a corn chip, just a tortilla chip. And when we go somewhere that oh, does... Oh, I prefer a Frito for almost every dip. When we when we go somewhere <laughs> that does... <laughs> Fritos are so... Stinky. Redneck. <laughs> I think. And I love them. Um, but when we go somewhere that does like a, a chip and a bread, Ashley mm-hmm. can have all the breads. Mm-hmm. And I want the chips. Yeah. With the spinach dip. Mm-hmm. But then I also want it served with salsa because I want to mix. Yeah, I want to go back and forth. Mm, I love Wait, spinach. Do you you mix- don't do spinach dip at all, Joseph? Not really. Why? Because it's spinach? No, I love spinach. It's not in my dip. <laughs> you just don't like it when it's mixed with creamy, cheesy Delicious things. I got it. I like it. <laughs> Could I have some salsa. spinach? Hold the cream and the cheese, please. I apologize on behalf of everyone that, Rand- that Randy just offended. <laughs> the Spinach Council of America. And Rednecks. Uh, we, haven't even jumped- <laughs> we haven't even jumped into this week yet. Hey, before we actually jump in, uh, as we... As you've picked up on, we will be in the Gospel of John for a while, just as we walk through seeing Jesus for ourselves. And so along the way, is as you read and even read ahead, if there are things that you have questions about, if there are things that are confusing or hard or you would love to hear a discussion about, let us know. That would be helpful to us, but yeah. also just lead to some really cool discussion and some, you know, back and forth. So, How can they let us know? Uh, send us a note, message, whatever it looks like to smallgroups at brazospoint.com and we'll read it. Maybe even on the podcast, submitted by. You can keep it anonymous if you want. Yes, you can also be anonymous. <laughs> submitted by. <laughs> Joe Q Public. Uh, okay, well, speaking of bread, uh, as we jump into this week, my first question is, what is something you cannot live without? Oh, man, the first thing I think of is air conditioning. I mean, technically, I can live without it, but I really don't want to. I have lived without it, but I really don't like to. <laughs> I prefer not to. <laughs> I'm with you. My house has, has to be cold. Bread is actually really another one that is kind of true for me. Like, you know, uh, I can't do no carbs. Like, I can't do it. So mine is, mine is a carbolicious treat. I can't live without fried chicken. That's what I talk about. Actually, I have lived without fried chicken too, but I love, man, I love fried chicken. I love Mm. chicken on the bone. I love chicken strips. They are very different things, by the way. And I love hot wings, which is another kind of fried chicken that's on the bone, but not the same as fried chicken or chicken on the bone. If you could only have one of those three, which would you choose? Like I can only have hot wings, chicken Mm -hmm. on the bone, or chicken chicken strips for the rest of my life. Yeah. Hot wings. Or chicken on the bone or chicken strips. <laughs> I love them all. You mean I love one them all at a time? <laughs> They're like my three daughters. I love them all equally. <laughs> like equally to your daughters? <laughs> hot wings. Oh, hot wings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
it's funny that all of ours are about food. It's always about food. Hey, mine man. was about air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> so she could eat food so in the I cool. Could be <laughs> she don't like to, eat, she don't like to be hot when bread. she's eating her bread. <laughs> uh, mine is probably pizza. But honestly, I was going to say also a hot sauce. I just need my food to be spicy. Salsa hot sauce. Yeah, yeah. You're talking sauce. like, you're not talking salsa. You're talking like yeah, chili or salsa. Yeah. No, you're talking like. Yeah, hot sauce. What's your favorite? My favorite hot sauce is Diablo sauce from Torchies. Oh, okay. Yeah, we buy oh, I've seen bottles. Oh, I've seen Bottled in your fridge. <laughs> oh, you do. You like huh? buy the bottled yeah. Torchies. That's right. Is there some in the fridge here now? Oh, my at probably. The office? I meant to tell you, I had Torchies the other day and I learned my lesson finally and I only order just one trailer park because I just, two is too much. Really? Yeah. Oh, I eat two tacos every time. Oh, wow. You're a young man. <laughs> Ish. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Early 30. Okay. Uh, well, this week we continue kind of this um, passage of Jesus interacting with these people. And after he fed them last week, we saw uh, they are still following him, looking, just watching to see what he does and Kind of as we jump in, we see that they are still following Jesus. They get in boats, and they're trying to look for him where he is, and they're still looking for him. So what is it that they are seeking <laughs> from Jesus? Kind of a Jesus? funny picture to me. <laughs> Getting I, in boats. Yeah, I love these details because they are, they're not just following him. Like yeah, at this point, they are looking for him. They're making mm-hmm. efforts. Because this guy to hunt him down. just gave them a free meal. <laughs> and they want more. They want more free meals. You know, like the scriptures pointed out, and make it clear. He's like, "Hey, you're you're just trying to fill your stomachs." Uh, but yeah, they found a guy that could give them free lunch. We want to make him our king. And we yeah. want him to feed us again. <laughs> we want happy meals. <laughs> That's so funny. They're desperate. They're like, we don't know where he went, but we're gonna get in this boat. And we heard he went that way. Where are you at? His fishes and his loaves <laughs> are delicious. Yeah, well, if he had fried chicken, Randy, you'd be in the boat, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, Wherever he's going, I'm going. <laughs> uh, well, we see that uh, as Jesus kind of encounters these people again, he starts to talk about bread, and he starts talking about food, and he tells them not to labor for food that perishes or spoils, but instead uh, for food that endures. What does Jesus mean? What is he talking about when he talks about food that spoils and food that endures? I don't think he's talking about fried chicken at this point. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. None of the commentaries say that. No, he's he's talking here because they did come to him looking for their physical needs to be met and looking for more food. And what he's telling them is that we don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life. And it's interesting there that he uses work, right? And so it's like don't spend your life with the distractions of the temporary things that just don't satisfy mm-hmm. because ultimately those things will not last the test of time and they have no eternal value, but instead spend your life working for food that endures uh, and endures into eternal life. So this is the primary focus of our hearts. And this is something that actually has the power of satisfaction. These are the things that are eternal. And what's interesting about that is he immediately follows this idea of working for that with this, the son of man will give you that so the only actual food that endures is actually not something you can work for but something that's provided for you and jesus is making it clear here i mean this is the gospel he's making it clear here that he has done for us what we never could do for ourselves and so to whatever extent we work it's all about just placing our faith in christ and letting him give us that satisfactory primary eternal food Mm -hmm. that we then just feast on as we live in relationship with him 
That word eternal, it's making me think, or it's making me wonder, what do y'all think? Do do we think that the concept of eternal life was pretty new for them? I mean, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around for sure, but, you know, we grew up on this side of history. Like, when he talks about that, do you think they are just... Maybe, maybe some, because there were different sects that had different beliefs. Yeah. Right? Some believed in an afterlife and some didn't. Some had a concept of eternality and some didn't. Mm. And so I think it, it just depends on his crowd to some extent and what their background was. Mm. This makes me think of uh, Jesus and the woman at the well. And, you know, nobody's yeah. out there in the middle of the day and she's drawing because she's water because she's ashamed. And Jesus told her, if you knew who I was, you would ask for uh, water that would truly satisfy. And I just always think, you know, it's like every day you need to drink water again. Mm -hmm. Every day you got to come back to this well and draw and draw. But if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for the only, only what I can give. And just, I think about Jesus just fed them food. And it's like, just a reminder, just about every day you're going to need to eat. And what Jesus is offering truly, truly satisfying. Well, and going back to Michelle's question about their concept of eternity, I think regardless of time or context or culture, there is a part of the human experience, this desire for immortality, yeah, right? And for satisfaction. And so not only do we want to experience satisfaction, but we want to experience endless satisfaction, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's, a, that is a part of the human condition. That's, and we want immediate and endless satisfaction. Yeah. And I can't get no. <laughs> I can't get no. <laughs> Satisfaction. I try. Well, the people ask Jesus, what good works does God require? And Jesus responds that to believe in the one he, the Father, has sent. And so when they ask, what good works does God require? What is it that Jesus is telling them? Well, he tells them that the, the work of God is this. It's to believe in the one who he has sent. So he takes all of this idea of working and striving and justifying ourselves, and he boils it down into this simplicity saying that it's actually not a self-justification, but it's a, it's a gift of justification where you believe in the one who has been sent as the Savior of humanity. And it goes back in connection to that verse that says, hey, if you want this enduring eternal life kind of food, then you have to understand that the Son of Man is the one who's going to give this to you. And so what you begin to see is like this really is the gospel because it means he works, he earns, he sacrifices, he does everything necessary. And all we simply do is receive Hmm. with gratitude and dependence. Yeah. It makes me think of this idea of looking past the provision to the provider, you know, look past the bread, look past the fishes, look past even the healing that I've done to Jesus and see him as not only the source for those things to be able to happen, the only way those things could be able to happen, but also the only way that I'm able to have salvation. Well, and so that's the deal. The work is still required, Mm -hmm. right? God requires the sacrifice He's just so good and generous that he sacrificed himself, and then we get the benefit of his work. That's good news. Yeah. Well, Jesus goes on to continue to describe what he's talking about and who he is, and he describes himself as the bread that came down from heaven. What does he mean by that, and how does what he's talking about relate to what he just did earlier in his miracle of feeding the 5,000? Yeah, so Jesus, he makes an appeal to him in these verses, and he 
goes all the way back to the stories of their ancestry, right? And talking about Moses and the bread that came from heaven. He's talking about the manna and God's provision for the people when they were wandering in the wilderness and, by the way, did not have the capacity or the ability to provide for themselves. Mm -hmm. So in the wilderness, God does for them something that they could not do for themselves in providing the manna. And they didn't earn it. They didn't work for it. It was just a provision that God gave. And so it's there waiting for them. Uh, and all they have to do is receive it. And so Jesus is just building this parallel between what the Father has done in the past and what he's doing in the present through Jesus. And so he's saying, man, it wasn't Moses who gave you that bread. It was the Father that gave you this bread. And it's the Father who's giving you this bread that endures to eternal life. I, I love that he had just performed this miracle. Clearly, they were moved uh, to want to make him king. And they were still following him, looking for more and looking for more food or bread. And Jesus leverages that to talk about bread is on the mind. Yeah. And so... Well, but but also go a step deeper. It's not just that Jesus did the miraculous in bringing this bread, that even though the miraculous was breathed into the multiplication of this bread, it was mm -hmm. still just a temporary food that mm -hmm. spoils. Those yeah. leftovers from last week, they're already rotten by now, right? Mm -hmm. It was a temporary food that spoils. And so he's like, man, don't be deceived. Don't even let this deception of this miracle that you've seen in the bread that was a physical bread rob your attention from the spiritual eternal bread that God is providing that has come down to you in the form of Jesus Christ, right? And so it's this idea of really getting our minds around what it looks like to be eternally satisfied mm -hmm. in the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that, that he uses that to point to himself and who he really, really is and what he's really about. He, he came to do more than just feed people what they needed, uh, earthly bread. Yeah, because part of what we talk about on Sunday is the idea of, of ingesting and digesting, right? Because mm -hmm. there's so much of this is just about what we have to receive. And when you think about eating, which we're obviously all so good at and love <laughs> deeply, like it's this process of ingesting. And I do the ingesting, and I don't I don't intentionally actively do any of the digesting, right? right. Like, there's a part at the end that <laughs> depends a little not. bit on me. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a system that God has put into play in our bodies that's beyond our ability. So I do the ingesting and God God and his work of provision in my body does the digesting. And so there's a similar rhythm to that in regards to our spiritual lives. We ingest and then we digest and we live off of that. And it's like Michelle was saying, we keep going back to the source. We know where the source is. And so we go to this source for spiritual food and we put ourselves in that spot where we continue to receive and ingest. And then we digest all that the spirit wants to do in our lives as he continues to feed us. Yeah. And I love even kind of just the juxtaposition of Jesus even calling himself the bread of life, or as we like to say around the office, juxtaposing. It's kind of juxtaposing. <laughs> but in, in this week's uh, edition of Things I Learned Last Week, um, there's two Greek words for life. Yeah. And I did not take Greek in seminary, so you might have to help me out with pronunciation a little bit. But one of them is bios, B-I-O-S. Like biology. Yeah. yeah, which is about, you know, physical existence. And then the other one is zoe, which is more about the quality of life. And in this passage, when Jesus says life, every time he's using the word zoe, he's not talking about just your physical existence, but he knows that that's what the people understand. And so he's using this picture of bread to talk about how he is the bread, the thing that you understand you need to sustain phys 
physical life, physical existence, but I am actually that bread for your Zoe. You yeah, know, right. For that that's kind right. of life. And that's the significance of what's going on here because you would assume you would assume bios or bios in association with, with bread, bread and the sustaining of our lives. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is talking to Zoe here over and over and over again. And it's like, no, no, no. This is not just an existence that you find in Jesus. There is a quality of eternal existence yeah. that you find in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. That is good. Well, Jesus continues the discussion. He continues to explain, you're looking for physical bread, but I am offering you something more. And he begins to talk about how he is the bread of life and about um, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, um, then you that's how you get eternal life. And so <clears throat> this is a huge question and a big question. Uh, but is Jesus being literal or figurative when he describes that those who eat his flesh and drink his blood receive eternal life? And does it matter the difference? Yeah, it, it matters infinitely. Um, it matters extremely. In, in fact, it matters to the point that, uh, you know, you could you could distinguish some of the, the great divisions in the, the church mm. in regards to how much John 6 matters in our mm-hmm. interpretation of what Jesus is saying. And I think something that's important in this conversation is to recognize that this is really complicated stuff here. And some of it's confusing and, and it's not, there's not a great deal of clarity around some of what Jesus is saying in John 6. And that's, that's on purpose. Like how many examples do we have of Jesus being intentionally, uh, you know, confusing in his language, right? You see that with the disciples, you see that with the crowds, and this is another example. And so it goes back to that hermeneutic that we talked about, right? Hermeneutics just means how do we interpret the scripture and we let the clear interpret the unclear. And this goes into the, the, the category of unclear. So like there's so many times where Jesus speaks either figuratively or, or hyperbolically, and, and we take them for exactly that. Like Jesus is not being literal and Jesus is exaggerating intentionally. And, and so our understanding and interpretation of this is that this is not a literal requirement to eat of the physical flesh and drink of the physical body of, of Jesus. But it is a figurative statement that he's talking about that we ingest him and that we digest him for our spiritual health and that he is that really only one food that can be given to us to, to bring about this eternal life and that we have to eat, right? We have to ingest. We have to have Jesus. Mm. We have to consume him, be sustained by him, and he is our only source of provision for this kind of eternal existence with this kind of zoe quality of life. Now, the reason why it matters so much is some who would take this literally have some different theologies and practices that go along with this because there's this literal requirement in their mind to eat of the flesh of Christ and to drink of the blood of Christ, then what we would call the Lord's Supper or communion is 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 the Eucharist, and this Eucharist is understood as being the actual physical body and blood of Christ that is that is miraculously uh, becomes uh, those elements and those beings, instead of being a symbolic element, it is an actual element of the body and blood of Christ. And if you don't continue to consume that, having this steady diet of the Eucharist, you don't continue to consume these elements of the body and blood of Christ, then you are out of fellowship or or not in God's favor, right? Yeah. And so ultimately, the reason why it matters is because it gets down to our understanding of the gospel. 
And the gospel is a work of Christ where he's the one that's done all the sacrificing. He's the one that's done all the work and we just believe in faith, right? It's not this this food that spoils, but he is this food that is enduring and eternal and he's the one who gives it to us. He's the one that's done the work, that's done the earning, that's done the sacrificing and we just simply receive. And it's not this receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving where we're in this game and this challenge of maintaining our salvation for ourselves it's this thing that Jesus has given us and created in us and he is sufficient to sustain it all by himself mm. and so it matters it matters tremendously does that uh, make sense yeah no it does it can be confusing but I think like you said it's important um, to recognize that Jesus spoke in some hyperbolic uh, ways sometimes but it was intentional to drive home um, some points and I, and I I think if we approached these verses just by themselves. I could, you could easily get to some of those beliefs and practices, but I think when you kind of take a step back and you see, as we're doing, and our hope in the series, the entirety of the story, week after week after week, you begin to see um, how Jesus is communicating and what he's doing, and the fact that he's calling himself the bread of life after just having fed people. And if you go through John, there are other things that he claims beyond just, you know, uh, being the bread and eating his, his, his body and drinking his blood. He calls himself uh, the door. He calls himself the light of the world, the resurrection and the life. He calls himself the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life. He calls himself the true vine. And you see that there is a, a consistency in these types yeah, of statements. Yeah, such a good point. So Jesus is being figurative, not literal, in regards to being the door. Yeah. Right. The church doesn't build a door that then is is blessed by the Spirit of God that we walk through each week in order mm-hmm. to keep us in salvation. You know, and that's an oversimplification of those theologies that lead uh-huh. to that. I want to be fair about that. And honestly, what I want to do is I want to challenge everybody in our living room to not just take my word for it that this is figurative, but I want you to look into it for yourself mm-hmm. and really think that maybe you've only ever been raised. Maybe your your whole life has been at Brazos Point. And you've only ever heard that these are symbolic representations of instead of a literal representation of. And so like, I want you, I want to challenge your thinking and I want people to really think through this for themselves and think, do I believe that Jesus was being literal or figurative and why does it matter? And what are the implications of that? And not just receive what we've been told, but search it out for ourselves. I love that we're talking about this because, you know, Randy, you talked about people who maybe, maybe all they know is Brazos Point and they don't know that there's other beliefs surrounding this. We also know that at Brazos Point, we have a lot of diversity in the different um, faith backgrounds that people are coming to Brazos Point from. And so this is something that I never really grew up talking about. I didn't know that there were different thoughts and views surrounding this until I got older. And honestly, really, until this conversation and preparing for this podcast, I didn't consider it to be something that really mattered all that much how you saw it. Like, to me, it wasn't, you know, an essential or whatever. And so just being challenged, like Randy challenged all of us in the living room to look at it for ourselves, being challenged to just keep looking deeper and what it's really saying and all of that so that you do understand why it matters. I really like that challenge for myself. Well, and I think as you look deeper into it, 
practice the hermeneutic of letting the clear interpret the unclear. And what do you have clarity on? And we have gospel clarity that Jesus came, that we may have life, and that in him we find that life, and that he is the bread of life. And the gospel tells us that Jesus has done for us what we could not do for ourselves, and that it is a work of grace that he initiates, the work of grace that he sustains, and it's a work of grace that he will bring to completion. And when you start to think about how this could play out, that's where I come to. It's like, man, there is a work there that then becomes about me and yeah, my maintenance for sure. rather than God and his sufficiency and his grace. I mean, it's kind of like baptism. You know, that's the other symbol in addition to Lord's Supper that we practice at Braz's point. And neither one of these things are salvific. Like neither doing those things is not what saves us. Jesus is what saves us. But these are symbols. These are ways to proclaim who we belong to, that we've made this decision to make Jesus the king of our life, like we talked about last week, and to continue to take the Lord's Supper to remember who Jesus is and yeah. what he's done, not well, what and we've really, done. Really, this is just un, this is just an application of our most core theology, and that's, is our relationship with God based on grace or on works? Right. And when you truly, when that is your foundation, it impacts everything. So how far are you going to go with that? And I, I just find it fascinating how how this ties back to works. I had not seen that before. Mm-hmm. Well, as Jesus just continues to talk about how he is enough, how he um, is the only thing that can truly satisfy and he provides what we need. Uh, my last question is really just a conversation about and a, and a question about what does it look like to rely on God's provision? If God said that he would take care of our needs, what does that really look like for us to rely on his provision? Because, you know, I have Jesus, but I think there are things in my life I feel like I still need. So what what does God mean by he provides what we need? I think it's a spiritual rest, right? It's a ceasing of striving. And it's what Jesus said. He said, man, I've come that they may have life. But he also says this. He says, you know, um, all who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. And ultimately, when we discover that grace of, of God that is made possible in the person and work of Jesus Christ, it brings a relaxation to our souls where we stop trying to justify ourselves. We stop trying to work our way and try to earn God's approval. And we really begin to find our satisfaction in Christ. And we live in this place where we just go, man, I have been forgiven completely. I've been set free. I want to to change and to transform as a reaction of gratitude and as a glorification of God. But at the end of the day, I am so at peace and I have found so much purpose because that I know, I know, I know that in Christ I'm completely and fully accepted and forgiven. And there is a rest that comes with that that you're not going to find in anything else. Talking about that makes me think about how sometimes um, I I have to make myself think about what God promises, but also what God doesn't promise. You know, sometimes when we think about, read about, talk about Him meeting our needs and Him providing and things like that, we, we do think physical, we do think tangible, or even just things that do matter, you know, things that we ask him to do, people that we ask him to heal, whatever it is. Um, and, and sometimes he does not answer those prayers the way we think that he should. And that doesn't mean that he's not meeting our needs because it's about spiritual needs. And so he doesn't promise an easier life with him. He doesn't promise, you know, when we think about physical needs being met, like, like people go hungry. They do. People go without homes. 
And, and Christ followers. Yeah, Christ followers. You know, we, we don't believe in a prosperity gospel. And so um, the thing that he does promise is his presence. You know, he does promise that when we go through those trials, when we walk through those fires, that he'll be there with us. And I think sometimes for our human minds, it's hard to see how that is the only thing. But it's this idea that, that on the best day, I have Jesus. And on the worst day, I have Jesus. Yeah. You know? And I, I'll be honest, I don't go through a whole lot of seasons or days that my needs aren't met. Right. But I want to believe that on those worst days, on the to the greatest extent that, that I experience suffering and will experience suffering in the future that I don't yet know, that Jesus will be enough. Because it's like, man, whatever I've gone without, even on that day. Mm-hmm. I've got more than enough in Jesus because my soul is saved. So the way you said it was on my best days, I have Jesus. And on my worst days, I have Jesus. And the way I usually think about it is even if I had nothing else but Jesus, I have more than I need. Mm -hmm. You know, he's more than enough. Well, and all of this conversation reminds me of my greatest, my, not my, I did not come up with this, my favorite, <laughs> not my greatest, my greatest, my greatest quote contribution. was no quote, <laughs> my favorite quote. I did not come up with this. My favorite quote about evangelism. It says evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Yeah. And man, talk about the bread of life, right? Like that's what we're doing. And, and, and even as we talk about this and think about the great freedom that we've found in Christ and how great grace really is, it just makes me be reminded like we have found the bread of life and how distracted are we that we're not sharing that? How selfish are we that we're not sharing that? Like we've found yeah. the cure to the cancer of our souls and all we're doing is going to other people who are sick and broken and hungry and saying, hey, we know where the endless supply is. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Well, I always enjoy this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us in yeah. your living room, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have food next time. Uh, these conversations are don't always helpful. Don't say it if you don't mean yeah, it. I'm lying. <laughs> yeah, I'm It won't be spinach, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spinach. Uh, these conversations are always just helpful for me personally. And I look forward to them weekly. And if you're listening along, we hope that these have been helpful for you too. And uh, again, feel free to shoot us your questions, uh, smallgroups at brazzespoint.com. Um, but again, our what we do here every week is it's kind of like our small group for the summer. And we would just love, love, love for you to continue listening and also for you to experience small groups when we kick back off um, when the school year comes back around. But just to put that on your radar, and that's really what we're doing here, and we would love for more people to be having these types of conversations. So we love you guys, and we hope you tune in next week.